To all our veterans and their families, we thank you and salute you today on this Veterans Day 2022. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and I know this is Debbie coming to you from sunny South Florida. We are just getting through the end of Hurricane Nicole. She decided to come at the end of November, which is our middle of November, which is very unusual for us down here, but we're fine. A little bit further north is getting slammed, but uh, all is well in sunny South Florida. We're going into this week, which is Veterans Day, and I know all of you know my family history of generations of veterans, and uh, I'm very it's very near and dear to my heart. And my kids, I want to pay honor to my children right now and my two older boys, their spouses, my nephew, who are on active duty. And for all those uh, friends of ours whose kids are um, who are on active duty themselves, thank you so much for your service. Thank you to all the veterans, including my late husband, Lou, and myself. But my guest today, I don't want to say but, and my guest today is a fabulous example of a veteran, a veteran's family, and I want to welcome Miss Jane Babcock to the show. Hello, Jane. Hello, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is special, Jane, and I'm really grateful that you're here uh, for our Veterans Day show because it's important. You and I connected, I don't even know how, uh, through LinkedIn or through one of the services, and when I started to talk to you, I don't do a lot with veteran services, and I wish I did because the most that I do now is with my father. Uh, my dad is a retired doctor, and he actually was in the service less time than I was, but he gets some fabulous benefits. And he's always saying, why don't, why don't you go to the VA? Why don't you do this? And I've always said, I'm not eligible. I can't get those kinds of things. And when you and I started talking, thinking, well, shoot, I just didn't know, and I didn't know to ask. And that's why we're doing this show, because too many of us don't know what to ask. We don't know. We don't know. And you are full of information and we're going to go there. But before we do, I like to take my guest back a little bit in time and find out who you are. Where did you grow up? Family members, siblings, you've got a great line of, of family history for veterans. Tell me a little bit about who Jane Babcock is, and then we're going to jump into what you're doing today. Well, Jane Babcock is part of Joe Cook's harem. <laughs> That's what my dad referred to us as. There was five daughters and, pardon the French, bitch dog. <laughs> he couldn't even get a boy dog in the house. So being the smart man that he was and being a veteran himself, he went into sales and went on the road with Coca-Cola. So he worked for Coca-Cola most of his adult life since the age of 16, repairing wooden crates in the Atlanta plant. But he would go on the road and then he would call us when he was like an hour out. So he would, we'd run around the house taking the pantyhose down off the shower curtain and all the things like that so that he could come back to his kingdom. <laughs> but... It was a good life. We traveled a lot. We went to not travel per se, but we moved a lot. It wasn't until I was in the army for three years at Fort Ritchie, Maryland, that I actually lived in one place for three years. So <laughs> the army helped me settle down. <laughs> That's funny though. I remember back when, when Lou and I were on active duty, we moved 11 times in 10 years. And when we finally bought a home in Florida, my goal was to paint a room a color other than white. It's those simple things. But Jane, you mentioned that you, you went into the Army. Now, you joined the Army. Why? Well, at the age 23, I wanted to go to school because when I graduated, I said, well, I don't know what I want to study. So I'm just going to, you know, work, save some money and go to school. Well, decided I wanted to go into computers because at the time they were a fast moving field and they were very large. <laughs> they even had glass tubes in them, some of them. And I said, hmm, I think I could tinker with those and be happy because I was a tinkerer and looked at my savings account, went, well, there's nothing there. So looked at the army and said, which of the MOSs is the longest electronics ones? And they showed me the top three. And I said, okay, this is the one I want. 
And that's what I did. I spent an entire year between basic training and AIT in the Army before I finished up my AIT. Okay, so now you and I speak a different language. And a lot yeah. of the folks listening may or may not know what all the acronyms are. So excuse us, folks, if you don't understand, but just do the basics. AIT. Yep. AIT. Advanced Individual Training. That was your job training. Okay, MOS. Job training and service doesn't include a lot of other stuff. It's very specific to the job. So you're not distracted by all these other, like, FIED classes and stuff. So oh, MOS, that's basic. What is that? That's your military occupation. That's your job. Now, that's different in the Air Force. So there's, there's a little bit of different lingo. lingo. Um, I don't remember what we called it, but it wasn't MOS. But essentially, it's you apply to go in under a certain job category. Mine was actually intelligence. At the time, they were the recruiters were funny. They're like, well, we can't guarantee it. So here's the needs of the Air Force, which is fine. I ended up going into Intel anyway. But sometimes you just go for the needs of the service. And yeah. I switched later to Intel for the needs of the service. <laughs> for the needs of the service. And so that's it. And the, the great thing I think about the military, and we're going to pitch it today, is I have two sons, two daughter-in-laws, a uh, nephew, all sorts of family members, three of my, my three, uh, two of my three brothers. So three of us were in the service at, at the same time. Uh, we all went through OTS, officer training, and uh, it was a great opportunity. But I want people to understand that the military has every job that is out there in the civilian world, from finance to medical to computers, right? Jane, now yeah. we're just not tank drivers or tank operators or whatever they call the uppers or flying jets. Yeah. One of my good friends was a choo-choo train driver. He, <laughs> that's what he did because after all, sometimes you need a train to move a bunch of tanks from one place to another. So somebody has to drive the train. And I interviewed a fellow last year on Thanksgiving and he left the military, but he became a chef. So there are cooks, there are dishwashers, there's whatever. And many times your position is determined when you go in, determined by how well you do on the, here's another acronym, on the ASVAB. Explain the ASVAB. That's the Armed Services Vocational, uh, let's see, Armed Services Vocational yeah. Aptitude Battery. And it's designed to help people pick out, well, after all, you want to go into electronics, but you're not real strong in these certain skills or you want to go into finance and you're not real strong on math. So the idea is to avoid jobs that you're going to struggle with and to help guide you into jobs that are, or you've already got the basic foundation for. Everybody should take that ASVAB test. And I think it's probably a high school not a, I don't know if it's a requirement or not, but I think it's a really excellent tool to identify what might you like, what you might be good at. Yeah, as a recruiter, I spent three years as a recruiter here. That's how we found this beautiful town that I live in. And that in, com that in combination with a test that looks at your personalities, like, you know, the sight of blood bothers you or things like that. You like working with a team, but not as an individual and things like that. So that ASVAB in combination with that personality test often was used to guide people, you know, that decided not to go into service. I would say as a recruiter, I'd say, go ahead and take that personality test because after all, you think you want to be an x-ray tech, but you know what? The sight of blood bothers you. <laughs> there are people that come in from a car accident that are covered with blood that need the x-ray. So maybe that's not such a good field. But just have an open mind. I remember friends years ago uh, that struggled with their boys. They, we were probably, I was a Cub Scout den leader. Uh, but one of my one of my kids was glued to the computer. And his mom just hated what, that he was always in front of that screen. But that was back in the day of the joysticks and everything else. Well, over time, he learned about the military and ended up calling my brother, who's a retired colonel, and said, I'd like to know more about the Air Force. Well, his skills... And his love of computer games 
led him to drones. And he became a fabulous drone pilot for yeah. the few years he was in. Made his mother so proud. She was so excited that he was so good at computer games or you know gaming back then. But just don't dismiss the military because you think, well, you know, everybody's going over to the desert. Uh, my kids have been there, but they fly, so they're above the above the sand. Uh, but there are so many different opportunities, and I really enjoyed the eight years I was in. I had some fabulous experiences in in Europe and in Washington D.C. at the Pentagon. There were some experiences I didn't like, but for me, it was very positive. Obviously, I got two boys in flight suits, but neither one for the Air Force. <laughs> but uh, it was an excellent opportunity. You spent three years active duty in the army. Well, the first time I did four and a half years active duty, I had actually done a four-year contract. That was because my military occupation training was a year long. They kind of base it on how long that advanced individual training is as to how long your contract is. Okay. Because if they're going to spend an entire year or paying you just to go to school, they want three years worth of work out of you afterwards. So I did four and a half years active duty, went to the reserves, got short activations like Hurricane Hugo, San Francisco earthquake, things like that. Did a FEMA support unit, which is where I OJT'd, on the job trained as a radio operator because as a maintenance tech, I sat around waiting for equipment to break. So Okay, during these emergency times, we're going to have you do this job instead. So I did that for a few years. Then I came back to Wisconsin, and that's when I ended up at the Intel School at Fort McCoy and cross-trained into military intelligence analyst. There's some incredible opportunities. So all in all, Jane, how many years did you did you put in, and did you actually, do you have actually a retirement? Yes. I had 21 and a half years in. Uh, unfortunately, I was out at the high tech in California on a 45 day training uh, thing to bring my skills up from the crypto tech, you know, the big room full of equipment down to the desktop version of a phone. <laughs> so I was out there and I was in a really dumb on my part training accident, broke a few things, blew out a disc in my neck and stuff. And my unit was preparing to go to Afghanistan. So for me, it was, I walked into the unit, said they want to slit my throat and take that disc out and replace it. And the unit said, well, here, sign this, you're in the retired reserves. Simply out of, and I don't mean this in a bad way, ignorance on the part of the UA. We were a very small detachment and he was a choo-choo train driver. (laughs) So I was placed into the retired reserves without mention of VA. So the reason I'm asking this is because there are a lot of veterans out there, me included, that did not retire, that I put in eight years. My husband had 14 and a half. Lou actually took a modified retirement, but it was like a year payoff. Uh, But many folks will do their first four years and then they're out. There are veterans, but they don't qualify for retirement benefits. This is where I want you and I to go into a conversation because I left and no one, I, you know, I did a couple of years reserve, but then they tried to call me back to active duty when I was pregnant with my third child. And I was like, nope. Um, but many of us never spend any time with the VA after that because we're thinking, okay, we're one and done. Mm-hmm. Explain to us what a VSO is and how that position could have been very beneficial to someone like me well that's what taught me all about the va because i certainly knew nothing but a an accredited veteran service officer representative is someone who goes to training they get cleared by the va for access to the system so that you can actually i can as a vso i could look into the claim in the electronic version and see all the notes being taken by the caseworkers and the doctor's notes and everything else. So I could see what was going on with that claim and I might catch something. Oh, gee, you had an ear, nose and throat doctor examine his bad ankle? No, 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 that's not a qualified exam. (laughs) So I could catch things in the claim and prevent them from happening. But that VSO 
is accredited and works for either the county, the state, or the veteran organization. And therefore, they have a paycheck, so they can't charge the veteran anything. Their job is to teach all veterans and family members about all the benefits from VA healthcare, compensation, pension, the hundreds of presumptives based on when and where you served, all the way down to the headstone. So going back- No veterans are entitled to a headstone? Well, we'll get to that because that is one benefit that I did get. Uh, You don't have to have a disability or some sort of some sort of service disability to get benefits from the VA. Is that correct? That is very correct. Because I don't have any disabilities. I wouldn't even think about going to the VA. And that's why. Why do we think that way? Well, that's because generally speaking, most veterans are like somebody else needs it more than I do. So we don't bother checking into it. We want our veterans that were in combat and things like that to get to the front of the line immediately. Correct. So we step back. Now, just because you don't have a quote disability, such as an injury in service, doesn't mean that you might not have been exposed to chemicals that have now increased your risk of developing cancers and other things. This new PAC Act, there's nine cancers in there for our youngest 1991 and forward veterans. Well, how many of those veterans that served in the 90s are already passed from these things? So the impact on their dependents, such as children or spouse, financially could have been devastating. But now that those have passed, that veteran's spouse and or children may be entitled to some monthly compensation And they may be entitled to CHAMP VA insurance and education benefits and all this stuff. But my big problem is the VA does not advertise, even on the news. They say, oh, the PAC Act passed, but they don't tell you what that means. Yeah, the only thing I'm hearing on the news right now is the Quantico water thing. And most of those, and we talked about this earlier, most of those are advertisements from attorney's offices. So actually, it's Camp Lejeune. What do you say? Uh, Camp Lejeune. That's what I meant. Camp Lejeune. I'm sorry. What do you say to that, to those folks? Who do they go to? Oh, I get so frustrated with those advertisements. Those folks are lining people up for a very short window of time that the PAC Act opened up, allowing people to sue the federal government. Now, the problem here is, like most government agencies, if you receive money from this one department, you may not be able to receive money from the other department. So if you come out of the service with a minor injury and they offer you severance to leave early, you are going to wait on the VA side of the house until that financial scale balances. And then you'll start receiving compensation. So my question and concern is, and I haven't gotten a chance to really read the definitions inside the Camp Lejeune legal stuff. If they get this money from these lawyers, are they then going to be denied the compensation side of the VA until they've gotten a balance, until their rating has paid out X number of dollars, which they could still use the healthcare side of VA. But isn't it a little bit safer to get the money and not pay someone else, which is the lawyers are going to take about a third of it to more in some cases. And they don't mind if it takes longer for that claim to go be processed because the larger chunk of money you get, the larger they get. But as a VSO, I would have been, okay, you have one of these active cancers. I'm going to expedite your claim. I want an answer from VA within 30 days. And I want them to start giving you your compensation within another 30 days. So how do we find VSOs in our area? You can Google VA accreditation, which you'll get to the list. Or the best way is to just start out by calling your county government. 32 states mandate counties to employ normally veterans. 
and train them and do all the investment that they need to to get that person connected with the VA, cleared with the VA. As a veteran service officer prior to retirement, I was actually accredited by five of the national veteran organizations. So the DAV, the VVA, the VFW, the American Legion, all those guys, they recognized that I was fully trained, fully cleared, and capable of doing my job. So they would actually, you know, tell the posts, hey, your veteran service officers accredited with us. They would guide people to us. When do we seek you out first? First thing is when you get home from service. Because I heard you talking in a podcast that you can actually find the VSO prior to getting out if you're already yeah. if you're looking to get out or get out to retire. Yep. If you know your landing zone, where it's going to be, what county you're going to live in, give them a call. Let them know, hey, in another six months, I'm getting out of service. What are my state benefits there? Because after all, if you're thinking about landing in, say, Kansas City, well, it's divided by a river. If you live on one side, you might have great education benefits like the state of Wisconsin. We have four additional years beyond the federal GI Bill. And we give the family full four years if, they, if the veteran's rated 30% or greater. So if you know you're gonna come out with injuries, Wisconsin's a beautiful place to live. <laughs> and housing is not that expensive. And we have plenty of jobs, just like everybody else. So Jane, when is the best time to go to seek the VSO, the, the service officer? Is it before you get out, after you get out? I mean, could I still go and meet them today? I've been out for 20 years. Yes. Well, nowadays, I would tell the young people, start before you leave service. There's decisions to be made, like if you're going to live in Kansas, which side of the river is going to give you the better benefits from the state that you're moving to. And then again, you want every veteran needs to go in and meet their VSO. I always tell them come in every five years because you never know what changed. And the other thing is, is you want to register your DD-214. If, God forbid, you should have a fire and lose your copy, do you want to wait two to four to six months to get a copy from the archive? Whereas as a accredited VSO in the state of Wisconsin, if it was sent originally back to your home of record, I could go on the computer, print it out and sign it as a true copy of a custodial document. So literally within minutes of meeting a VSO, you could have a copy certified of your DD-214 that's usable for VA benefits and other things like that. So I don't need to go to the courthouse myself. I can just have the VSO do it? Correct. If you're from the home of record, if when you entered service, whatever state you lived in, or if at the time you departed service, you ask them, look, I'm going to Colorado instead because I have a job there, the branch of service would have offered to send it to Colorado. Yeah, I live in Florida and I got out of the military in Virginia. But did you originally live in Florida when you joined the service? No, I lived in Vermont. Ah, so odds are, as a CVSO, if you came in and said, I need a copy of my DD-214, I'd get a hold of the state of Vermont. And as a government office to government office, I would have gotten that for free, certified from the state of Vermont. Well, but you paid anywhere from $25 to $75 for that same certified copy. So since I already have my copies, should I take it to VSO local or just register it at the courthouse? Yes, take it down to your local courthouse and or VSO office. They will register it. They will give it to, you know, they'll have you take it to the uh, register of deeds who will then book it. And then they will give you a certified copy. They will give a certified copy to the VSO who can then use that to set up all your VA benefits. Okay, so this is really important as far as the benefits. My, my, my dad is 93, he's uh, retired. Well, he's a retired dentist, but dad spent time in the Air Force. I have been collecting his documents. The reason for that obviously is we're not all gonna live you know, forever. And dad and I talked about that because my husband Lou passed away in 2010. Passed away suddenly. 
He had been out of the military for a while, uh, but I chose, and this was interesting, we were not going to have him buried here because he wanted to go to Montana with his had a cousin who owned a mountain. My youngest son and I had had him cremated and we went out to Montana, left the urn out there for a while. Well, then Eloise moved and she never put Lou on the mountain. So then I brought him back home because the VA cemetery here, local, had opened up and I was just feeling like it was time to have a place where the kids and I could go and just talk to them. Sounds silly to some, but it, mm-hmm. I always had a reverent feeling about the military cemeteries. And I was able to bring him back and set up a burial here. Um, I don't, it's been a long time now. I can't remember exactly what we did because so much was going on. Uh, but that's an option for folks. You can move people from one place to the next. Because VA cemeteries are opening up around the country. And mm-hmm. my I, I remarried my husband's mom. Uh, his father was a veteran, but he was living at the time. His mom was buried in a VA cemetery in Kentucky. When his dad passed, I brought Lou back from Montana. And we actually ended up finding it. We were able to get them all in the same neighborhood, is the way I put it, at the mm-hmm. local VA cemetery. But we had his mom brought back, brought down from the Kentucky uh, Veterans Cemetery to here, to Florida, and they are buried together. That was a really nice thing. Fortunately, we had all the paperwork. What do you do if you don't have the paperwork? Again, that's where your VSO comes in. They know how to chase it down based on home of record and, and national archive. Uh, when a veteran would, you know, family would come in and say he's in the emergency room, he's unconscious, we have no idea how long he's gonna be here because severe car injuries. Then we could actually call the archive and oftentimes have that record pulled on an emergency basis to get them into the VA system. So that VA could become responsible for their bills. Uh, The youngest young man I had that I later got him onto compensation, which we can talk about later, um, was 21 years old. If I hadn't enrolled him in VA healthcare, and then nine months later when he was in a motorcycle accident and ended up at our local hospital, unexpected to live actually, the VA covered all of his bills because he was enrolled in VA healthcare. Now, he had, had he had a VA disability when he got out? Nope. No. We were in the process of getting that claim done, but it hadn't been determined yet. Although, yes, he was eventually rated. It was just the enrollment of VA healthcare. Uh, some people will hear about this community care. Great program. If you have to drive more than half an hour for a regular doctor's appointment, and you have any limitations, or if you have to drive and it's going to take more than 30 days for the VA to get that appointment for you, say you need to go to a podiatrist. They can authorize community care for you to go to your local podiatrist. I go for my mammograms and all sorts of other things right here locally because my hospital is more than an hour's drive. Okay, but I, again, I I keep thinking, did I miss it back all those years? I don't even think about going to the VA. Maybe, And here's the thing. I have excellent benefits through my husband's company. I hadn't thought about it. But when I go back, and you and I talked a little bit about this the other day, when Lou passed, I had benefits through the school district. But I, a year later, when I left the school and was running my own company, I, my youngest son was on my, on my uh, medical benefits, and I was paying extraordinarily high premiums because he was 16 years old and I didn't want him to get hurt. Was there an option of maybe getting some VA assistance at that point or onto the VA system? I didn't, no one here, full disclaimer, Lou and I both got out of the military, never heard of veteran service officers, never reached out to the VA, basically said, we're done. 
And so that was my thinking is that we're done. I don't qualify. No, unfortunately, you may have missed some opportunities and may still be missing them. The VA healthcare system is designed to serve any veteran. Now, in 2003, they said, okay, if you don't have service related hearing loss, you don't have any type of injuries from service. It, jumping off the back of a deuce nath, a basic training, twisting your ankle and, and repeatedly having problems with that ankle because it has to be a chronic history, then you're not gonna be service connected. But if you are service connected, even if you're rated 0% because your service hearing loss is minor at the time of your initial rating, you have access to the VA's healthcare system. Even if you received an other than honorable uh, discharge, but had say a knee that you ended up with surgery on while you were still in service, they will treat that knee because it's a service injury. They won't open the doors wide and give you all the health care. They won't give you compensation if you're other than honorable. But if your discharge was general or honorable, you're going to receive compensation. You're going to receive all services. It used to be you had to be service connected for hearing loss to get hearing aids. But over the last decade, a couple decades, they realized that too many of our aging veterans were getting their medications wrong because they weren't hearing the doctor. Okay, I want you to go home, take half a pill every day, three times a day. Well, they were going home and taking an entire pill three times a day. So they said, okay, what's the problem here? It's the, the ability to understand. So they said, okay, all veterans are now eligible for hearing aids. I'm totally in the healthcare system. You are eligible for glasses. You are eligible for a CPAP machine if you need it. Anything and everything that comes with a healthcare system is available to you. Now, I will say, if you have no service injuries or illnesses, and that's the other thing is presumptives. But if you have no rating, then they're going to look at your finances. Obviously, if you have a quarter million dollar income, and you can afford your own insurance. So they are going to put you in category 8G, which means that unless it's an emergency, you're going to be standing at the back of the line. Okay. So we're going to ask you not to use the VA. That's important. That's important. Yeah. But you're pre-enrolled. So if your family calls up and says he's just been in a terrible car accident, he's going to be paralyzed from his armpits down, and odds are he's not going to return to work, the VA will then bring you in under emergency care or terminal diagnosis or things like that of that nature, even if you're making a quarter million dollars. Well, I am all amazed at the benefits my father gets from compression socks to suntan lotion to you name it. It's, it's yep. amazing. And dad does see all of the doctors up there. Uh, and he's in addition to you know, his local doctors, because the VA hospital is close to us. It's a really, it's an excellent hospital in West Palm Beach. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would never look to go there, but now you've got me thinking if something were to happen to my dad, how would my mother, would my mom be eligible for any sort of benefits? Dad didn't retire from the military, but he's a service veteran. Yes. A veteran that has service-related injuries or illnesses, and that's the other thing, you need to look at the presumptive list. That presumptive list, I, I have it as a... Um, Word document, and I send it to people all the time, is seven pages long, based on when and where you served and or what circumstances you served under. POWs have a long list of nutritional conditions, rickets and everything else, because oftentimes their diet was extremely poor. So they automatically look at this list and say, oh, you've been diagnosed with this. We are going to compensate you for it. We are going to provide all the medical care for it for free. And if it involves, if your death involves that condition, 
a veteran with Parkinson's and Agent Orange exposure, falls down the stairs. Well, if, he's, if his legs gave out because of his Parkinson's, his fall was service related. So then his spouse is entitled to a service death, no different than if he died on the battlefield. There will be compensation. And if he was rated 100%, the family was already receiving CHAMP VA, which is insurance for them to go to their civilian doctors. That will continue if that death is contributed to or caused by their service issues. So this is really important for my generation because my parents, you know, that group is aging. They're in their 90s now. How can we as, as children help them through this system? Can, can we go there? I mean, do we have any access? You can go and ask at the clinics for the federal benefits book. You can contact the VSO and say, look, this is the situation. I'd like to understand these benefits better. I actually have a spreadsheet that talks about war veterans pension. A lot of people have heard of the widow's benefit. Ah, I didn't get it. Pension. And if a veteran served at least 90 days in service, at least one of those days was during a time period of war, and they did change the status of Vietnam from police action to war <laughs> in the benefit side of the house. So, and started it in 62 when we started actually sending advisors over there. Mm -hmm. So if you were over there early part, then you're in the war period. So they take the household income, subtract off the household medical expenses. And that is things like the Medicare premium, other supplemental insurance premiums, healthcare as far as pharmacy, even toothpaste, because that is a care of your personal being. Mm -hmm. So they subtract all that off of that low fixed income that 70 year old is living on. And they may be living below poverty. In which case, the war veteran and or surviving spouse will receive supplemental income to get them back up over poverty. Now, if they're experiencing large medical bills like assisted living or in-home care or nursing home, the VA will provide them the maximum amount of money. So right now for a single veteran, that's almost $2,000 a month. Mm. It won't stop them from using their savings, but will slow down how quickly those savings disappear. Okay, so the, the important thing here is to seek out the VSO, the veteran service officer in the local area. I actually tried to look it up this morning and it was a little bit confusing. There's got to be a better way to, to find it. Uh, and just call them up and say hello. You know, yes. Just establish it because I might be looking at it for me in 30 years, but I could be looking at it for my dad in three or I gave him the seven year plan. He's got to work for me till he's 100. Uh, <laughs> but I want to be prepared because I've got everything. I mean, you can't go to the VA. Well, I shouldn't say can't. I have not had the experience of going to the VA and saying, I'd like to make a reservation. At some point, my father and mom will be over here. I, except for mine, which was very interesting. I did find out when Lou died, I was talking to the fellow at the cemetery and told him that I had been active duty. And he said, oh, well, we can do a set aside for you. I was like, what's that? He said, we can set aside the, the piece of property right beside Lou's headstone, and that'll be yours. And you can use it for you. You can use it, give it to your dad. You can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. There is one spot in our little plot over there in our neighborhood that is empty, that gets mowed every week, and that's going to be mine. So when I had some difficulty with a child once, I, said, I took him out there and I said, okay, you're putting me down here sooner than I want to be. But that's the only thing that I know that is a reservation, you know? But the VA is pretty fast when you get the paperwork in getting you into the into the cemetery. Can you explain the process because and the benefits? Because down here, that's really important uh, what to know is available. Yes. Those are called the honors benefits, funeral honors. So, of course, you have a flag, which oftentimes the, the funeral homes receive them either directly from the VA or 
like in my case up here in rural Wisconsin, we get them and we distribute them to the nursing or the to the funeral homes. They give us the paperwork every time. And of course they contact us as soon as they know it's a veteran, because after all, we wanna check and see if there's a surviving spouse or dependent child, someone who was handicapped prior to their 18th birthday that may be entitled to either the DIC, the dependent compensation or the pension. And we'll work with the family to order if they can't, if they can't afford a headstone, we can get one of the, the marble slabs. We can get the granite upright. We can order the medallion, which is a bronze medallion that goes to the front of the headstone if they want to have just a marker that says he served in the Air Force. Um, or we can order the big bronze plaque for free. And the family, if they can't afford a headstone to mount it to, can get just a cement slab put in and have it mounted to that slab. And then the VA, the national cemeteries, those are available if they're nearby. And all of that is provided. Yep. You just have the to get it on the plot. It can be, you know, like you said, a set aside for the spouse. If the veteran's buried there and the spouse originally had another plot somewhere else and then decides to sell that plot, they can be cremated and placed with the veteran. In right, their right. And the front, front and back is the way they're done down here. Um, and the only reason I got the set aside is because I was active duty. So I qualified for a spot myself. They just said, well, we'll just put you together. Um, my husband's, uh, CJ's mom and dad are back to back right down the row. Uh, so it's fun when we go over there, we see it all. But I took my father over there. And it, this is something that most older folks, even us, don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk about the end of life. But let me tell you, from experience, talk about it once, put it behind you, get all the paperwork together, and then you don't have to talk about it again. It's done, and it's there. And when they pass, that takes the anxiety away of, now what do we do? Yes, and that's the same thing with knowing the pension program and how it works. It's the same thing about knowing presumptives. Because if you don't know that ALS is twice as likely to strike a veteran, and your veteran has just passed from ALS, you think there's no benefit. But because it's twice as likely to happen to us, the VA recognizes it and says, look, we don't know if it was your family history or if it was us that caused it. So we are going to compensate the veteran while they're alive, and then we're gonna compensate the widow and or dependent child. Interesting. To know that those benefits are going to be there for my husband if something happens to me reassures me that he's going to be financially okay. Right. Right. And that's the worry as they get older. I mean, we are living a whole lot longer than we planned for financially. And everybody's, especially military, we're so self-sufficient and we don't want to be a burden. We, you know, you mentioned it earlier about you don't want to get on the on the medical plan because someone else is worse and they need it more than we do. And when I honestly, when I drive around here in South Florida, there are a lot of a lot of the homeless guys that have the veteran signs up. And I sometimes get skeptical saying, if you really are, you could be. But I don't know that because mentally, maybe they they don't understand. And yes. they have there are so many programs. There are. And so it makes you skeptical, like, well, are they really? And if they were, then they would know, but they might not know. So is there an outreach program by the VSO or by the county? VSOs do actively participate in outreach. Um, like our state couldn't sponsor outreach, large outreach events in our rural counties because, you know, if you're only going to have, you're going to spend several thousands of dollars and then have just 100 people show up. So what they would do is they would rotate from county to county, and then we would work together as regions. And like one year, I sponsored the big outreach event for the year at my local tech school. And they came and they did all the benefits and had all the booths and stuff like that, talked about mental health care, physical health care, and all these other benefits. And we invited everybody from the five county area. So that type of rotation happens. Uh, one year, the farm tech days for our state 
occurred in our county. So for three days, I was out there underneath this great big giant farm equipment. <laughs> I was amazed that you can walk underneath some of those pieces. But they <laughs> I was out there for three days handing out federal benefits books and talking about state education benefits for our children and all the other things that come along with being a veteran in our state. And so you have to find these things, but it's not the VA that's doing them out in rural America. They're, yes, they're doing events like in LA for the homeless and things like that. Again, not as frequently as they could or should. They're not using television. They're not using the radio. They are on the internet. They'll say, oh, well, go to our website and learn about this. Well, if you're 75 on a fixed income and you've never touched a computer, you can't afford the internet. Maybe that's why this uh, water thing at Camp Lejeune is all over the television. Yes, yes. My parents are watching the TV. And, quick, easy way. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, and I, we get confused sometimes when we say veterans and mean veterans that have just served, you know, a year or two, four years versus retired veterans, because retired veterans do get additional benefits that those of us that didn't retire get. Their kids may get different benefits. My brother retired and he's in Texas. I believe that there's a Texas uh, benefit for his kids for tuition-free university. And same yeah. here in Wisconsin, if our veteran they don't have to be a child of a retiree. They have to be the child of a veteran rated at 30% or greater by the VA. Okay. So, but so you wouldn't know that unless you ask. Yeah. It's different from state to state. Why is that? <laughs> because these are granted by the state tax dollars. Okay. State money. Okay. Yeah. So it's state money that goes. I know of one state where they think it's a great thing that they're able to give them about a hundred dollars a semester toward books that's, that's a half a book <laughs> yeah you can't even get a half a book yeah. but that's what their state feels they can afford okay well, Wisconsin, we have property tax relief for our 100 percent disabled i believe my brother in texas there are some in texas too i had a friend a retired colonel who uh yeah, he, he got his property tax relief because of his disabilities. I believe my brother gets that also. Um, I don't know, but I'm sure down here in Florida, I mean, any anything that comes up with assisting first first responders and veterans, I mean, I'm all for it because I think it's really, really important that, that we salute them and, and honor them. Um, and I love, there was a, I don't have it right in front of me. Yes, I do. There's a quote that you use as your mantra from Eleanor Roosevelt's prayer, and I'm actually going to read it. And it says, Dear Lord, lest I continue in my complacent ways, help me to remember that somewhere, somehow, out there, a man or woman died for me today. As long as there be war, then I must ask the answer, am I worth dying for? That just pricks my heart because we... We've got that patriotic bone, and I know most people might have it in them somewhere, but they're losing it over time, unless we're associated with a veteran. And I love, I think we talked about this, some of my favorite old guys are the guys at Publix that are the retired E6s, O6s, you know, enlisted military guys, the baggers. They are so humble. They have such good stories, and people walk right by them. Yes. Yeah. And as retirees, they often think, well, I get my insurance and everything from the Department of Defense benefits. I'm not eligible for VA. Yes, you are, especially if you are sick because of your service, especially if you are having difficulty walking because you had got frostbite in the Korean War. You have benefits, and those benefits may potentially provide financial su support for your family when you pass, whether it's $250 burial stipend, just like Social Security has, 
or whether it's $2,000 because your death was service connected. You don't know. And like we said, we don't know what we don't know. So it's worth asking the question. The worst that they're going to say is, sorry, you don't qualify for anything. Right. The worst. But the, the worst for me is when a veteran spends years slowly dying of something that was caused by their exposure in service. Right. And, not and they die penniless, leaving a destitute widow or dependent child behind. Right. So there is so much to talk about and we could, but our hour is coming up. The most important thing is for you to get the word out. How are you trying to do that now? Mostly it started for me as a, uh, I had retired immediately before COVID hit. And I had a health blip that in combination with my service stuff said, you're better off going home for a while, thinking I would return to work. But unfortunately, that situation didn't get improve. So I started writing articles on LinkedIn. And from the articles, I got people messaging me with questions, asking me to be on live streams and podcasts and radio shows. And I'm pushing the elephant as hard as I can to get to TV because 19 million veterans, almost nine of them, almost 9 million of them are over 65. Mm -hmm. They are fixed income. Many can't afford the internet. More probably don't know how to use it properly. So they'll never find the information. So when the VA says, oh, just go to eBenefits and apply. If you don't know <laughs> or can't, or you simply don't know what evidence to provide the VA, the VA says, you know, scan and upload your documents. There's a lot of people that don't have scanners. Right. So there's a lot that can't be done that way. And there's a lot of evidence that can be provided ahead of time by an accredited VSO instantaneously because they can scan it in, including birth certificates and marriage certificates. Don't do this alone. Okay. Go to that accredited VSO. They so, will provide all the help you need for free. They can do things almost instantaneously. They can scan a document in, wait a few moments, and they can see it inside the VA's network. Okay. Well, you've convinced me to take that first step for myself and for my folks uh, and my brothers. I have, you know, two brothers that are one's retired and one did the eight years like I did. And I'm pretty sure he hasn't done anything about it either. Uh, so it's very interesting. It's, it's all that information. It's we need to figure out what we don't know and be willing to ask the question because the worst case for you, like you said, was having someone have an illness that they die from that leaves their families devastated emotionally, financially, and there could have been some sort of benefit from their time in the VA. So with Veterans Day coming up, we want to honor all those that have served and those that you know need help in any way, search out the VSO. And I know it could be a little daunting. And when we say go online again, you may not have the, the ability to go online. Find the organization in the county and call them. Just give them a quick call and ask someone to help. If you're, if you're not computer savvy, there's someone around you that is and just ask them to help you out. Worst case, they're going to contact Jane. How can we get a hold of you, Miss Jane? Get a hold of me on LinkedIn. Just reach out to me. I will send you the links and attachments to the VA 101 library that I use to inform our veteran family about these benefits. And when you do sit down with that accredited VSO representative, bring your spouse or another family member with you. Because after all, it's really difficult for your VSO to take care of paperwork if you're unconscious in an emergency room. That's true, that's true. I try to go to all my, all my parents' medicals as much as I could because with COVID, they would only let one person in. So at one point, it was either I went in or my mom went in. And sometimes it's better for the child to go in or child, you know, this child yeah. to go in. And not to, you know, make your parents feel bad or whatever that they can't do it. But sometimes a younger 
ear might help. And it also helped me to understand a little bit better by hearing it myself rather than hearing it filtered through whatever my parents heard. And oftentimes we as the younger generation are the caregivers eventually. And when it comes down to helping mom when dad passes and she's emotionally distraught and going in a hundred directions at one time. Okay, mom, I can take that part of it on and get everything laid out and in place. And all you're going to have to do is sign the forms. Right. But if you don't know what those are. (laughs) See, and I know that's coming. And even though I'm prepared, I don't feel like I really am. And uh, so if I don't feel prepared and I know that I am in many places, uh, it's important to, to seek this out. So I'm going to figure out where my BSO is and make sure that I know what's up with my mom and dad and me. Because when Lou passed away, he walked out the door one day and he was dead the next on the end of our song. And I think maybe that shock in itself probably just, I, I didn't even go the VA route. I didn't know anything about the VA route, never sought it out for two years. You know, and then when I did the cemetery, I'm a big proponent of veterans, the national cemeteries and how wonderful they have been uh, and how wonderful they were to my family and to the service members of funerals I've gone to. You know, they've been just incredible and so heartfelt and it very reverent. So tomorrow, um, whatever Veterans Day is when it's fallen here, go Remember someone out there, you may not know them, but what just walking through the cemetery is such a reverent place. Those guys and gals are heroes in my mind. And it didn't matter if they were the chef, they were the baker, they were the janitor, they were the pilot, they whoever. My my father-in-law used to say, I'm a just I was just at E something. I was like, but you were an important part of where you served and who you served with. And and I honor you whatever time you did those guys that were overseas out in the field or out in a combat zone really appreciated the food the sleeping bags the everything else that the people back here that served provided them everybody participated in them the guys on the front line lacked when there wasn't somebody back here doing those other things for them so please Remember, this is Veterans Day. If you see a veteran, a person wearing a American flag, ask them if they're a veteran. They may be, that may be their way of, of showing that they're a veteran, but doing it in a humble way. And of course, if they're wearing a hat, a t-shirt, anything that acknowledges their branch of service, just take a moment and say thank you. Yeah. And my- For some of these guys, that's, so important because they're not going to speak up they're they're so humble about it but when a veteran meets a veteran and i know i feel this way there's an instant bond there's (laughs) something about being in the family that there's an instant bond and i know my dad dr jack who works for me he tells everybody about his grandsons and his daughter-in-law or his granddaughters-in-laws and his son and his daughter and everybody that served in the military. When my finish, when dad finishes up on a call with a client, they know everything about our military family and probably more. And I'm grateful for that because our company is built upon a family veteran-owned model. And we're so proud of of each one of the kids that are serving now. And I'm grateful for the time I had in. I'm thank you for the time you put in, but for the service you're doing today for me is invaluable. So I, I commend you, my new friend, and I wish you the very best in getting the word out. And I will do what I can to help to stand up and speak up and let people know and to thank our veterans from our hearts to theirs. Thank you, Debbie. And remember, call your county, call your state. Call your local VFW, American Legion, whatever, post. Find that accredited, trained, no-cost veteran service officer representative. We are here for you. Thank you so much, Jane Badcock. We appreciate all of your your efforts and uh, wish you a happy Veterans Day. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you for your service. Thanks, dear. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. 
we are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.